There's just so much more to hear. Download our podcasts at DubaiEye1038.com. You're listening to Drive Live with Emma Rain and Natalie Lindo-Taylor. Right now, we're going to head straight to Washington, D.C. and catch up with Simon Mark. Simon, great to have you back. How are you? I'm very well indeed. How are you guys? We're good, thank you, uh, Simon. We've got quite a few stories to get through with you today and lots of them making headlines all the way around the world, actually. Uh, We'll start here with the death of Senator John McCain. Um, Of course, you know, a big, big personality in US politics over uh, the past. Obviously, he's recognised for his time in, in Vietnam as well. So how's the reaction been in Washington to his death? Well, look, I mean, I think it's been pretty seismic, not just here in Washington, D.C., but across the country and, as you said, around the world. And uh, the country is preparing for several days uh, of events that will be honoring the memory uh, of John McCain. He will be lying in state up on Capitol Hill uh, later this week. There will be uh, a service at Washington's National Cathedral. There will be a private uh, burial service. And uh, I think that it's absolutely clear that the vast majority of Americans are remembering him as an iconic and influential statesman, uh, a man who was uh, a fixture here in Washington, D.C. from the moment he arrived as a member of the House of Representatives in 1982. Then he went on to become uh, the uh, ultimately the senior uh, senator from Arizona uh, and uh, ran for the presidency himself in 2008 against uh, President Barack Obama, the man who would become uh, President Barack Obama. Uh, He might have won that election in 2008, John McCain, if he hadn't made the fateful decision uh, to pick as his vice presidential uh, running mate, Sarah Palin, the governor of Alaska, a decision that he uh, later said he deeply regretted and that many analysts believe was uh, a pretty major contribution to his defeat uh, at the hands of Barack Obama. But primarily what he's being remembered for is for being an old-style politician, a centrist Republican, passionate about the business of government, passionate about public service, someone who fervently believed in the need to reach out across the aisle politically, engage your opponents in good-faith negotiations aimed at hammering out compromise and coming up with a legislative solution on a variety of issues that would best serve uh, the American public. He was, therefore, in stark contrast to the man currently sitting in the White House, Donald Trump. And uh, to bring you up to date with the latest news here today, we are now witnessing a totally unprecedented situation in which the President of the United States has refused to sign a proclamation honoring Senator John McCain. So uh, great was their mutual loathing of one another. And so while flags are flying at half-mast up on Capitol Hill, uh, and indeed uh, flying at half-mast on government buildings across the country because of orders that have been issued by various states across the country, the flag at the White House is not flying at half-mast. It is back up in its usual position, and it would appear that in that extraordinary display of disrespect, that's where it's going to stay. I mean, Simon, it is remarkable just watching from afar, even seeing the fact that, you know, a personality clash has led to such petulant behaviour, one might say. Um, Let's move on, Simon. Uh, Let's look or stay rather on President Trump mounting legal woes in the face of convictions of, well, Paul Manafort and also the guilty plea of Michael Cohen. It seems the men around the table are growing smaller in number. 
Yes, I mean, it's interesting because in a way these two stories are connected, right? I mean, a, a, a greater president might see an opportunity uh, in the death of John McCain to assume the position of uh, leading the nation through a time of grief in the presidential role, not just as political leader of the country, but as head of state. Uh, and yet uh, Donald Trump is choosing not to do that. And by choosing not to do that, he's underscoring the fact that there is just something very odd and not very appealing to many Americans uh, about the way in which he's running things at the White House at a time when his legal woes are deepening. So make no mistake, last week was a devastating week for President Trump, not just the conviction of Paul Manafort, his former campaign manager. And let's uh, say very clearly, Paul Manafort was convicted on fraud charges that were unrelated to the 2016 election campaign. But more seriously for President Trump, the guilty plea by his former lawyer, Michael Cohen, the intimation that in a bid to reduce a five-year and three-month prison sentence that Michael Cohen is facing for campaign uh, finance violations uh, and for fraud, that he may now work with prosecutors and tell them everything that he knows about the communications he had with Donald Trump about those payments that were made in 2016 to two women. Also devastatingly for the president, the decision by uh, the chief financial officer of the Trump organization, Alan Weisselberg, to uh, accept an immunity from prosecution deal and the decision by the CEO of the company that publishes National Enquirer and uh, did a lot of favors for Donald Trump during 2016 also to sign an immunity deal. I mean, the waters are lapping ever closer to President Trump in the Oval Office. And with people like that now seemingly ready to tell prosecutors what they know, about the inner workings of Trump world, and they know everything about the inner workings of Trump world, that's got to be unbelievably nerve-wracking for the president and for those people who still show up for work every day at the White House in his service. It's definitely going to be an interesting one to uh, sit and watch unfold, Simon. Now, a story that didn't get much notice this weekend, but is an important one, is uh, changes in the way Democrats are going to pick their presidential candidates. Yeah, this is a very big deal, and uh, everybody should be sitting up and paying attention. And I think had it not been for the for the death of John McCain, it may have been the first story that, that we discussed today. Democrats over the weekend, uh, and this was a big victory for younger, more radical activists, the Bernie Sanders brigade, if you like, within the Democratic Party, over the Bill and Hillary Clinton group that has uh, had a bit of a stranglehold over the activities of the Democratic Party and the Democratic National Committee, uh, they've decided that starting now, the so-called superdelegates, those prominent Democrats at the party's convention, who merely by dint of the things they have done in the past in service of the party or the country, they will no longer play an outsized role in determining who the party's presidential candidate should be. You'll remember that at the last convention, it was pretty tight and pretty close between Bernie Sanders and Hillary Clinton until the Clintons were able to exercise their muscle within the Democratic Party via these so-called superdelegates and make sure that Bernie Sanders did not become the party's presidential nominee. The Sanders team firmly believed uh, that they was robbed. Um, now, that 
that's all going to change. And while that doesn't necessarily mean that, you know, Bernie Sanders would have been the party's presidential candidate, it definitely means that going forward to 2020, if you are Hillary Clinton, and if, as most of us believe, you are thinking of running again for the presidency, the way to the presidential nomination is now far more complicated. The process is going to be much more competitive, much more transparent, and those baked-in elites, loyal primarily to the Clintons within the party, have just lost an enormous amount of their power. Okay, Simon. And final story we're going to look at this week. It is, of course, another story that's been making international headlines. The latest on that shooting in Jacksonville, of course, taking place at a gaming convention. Yes, terrible story yesterday. Two people dead, 11 people injured uh, as a, uh, a man who was believed to be a gamer. Um, lost uh, in a video game uh, confrontation and then decided to take his disappointment out on fellow players by shooting at them. Uh, He came from Baltimore, uh, which is quite a long way from Jacksonville, Florida, all the way up the East Coast. Uh, And so search warrants are being executed in Baltimore in a bid to understand what led to this paroxysm of gun violence. There doesn't appear uh, to have been any sort of social media trail suggesting that he was planning to do uh, anything like this. It appears to have been uh, some sort of an outburst after uh, he was defeated at that video gaming uh, event uh, down in Florida. Very dramatic uh, sound captured uh, of the attack because, you know, these gamers now all wear these uh, headsets and sort of do live commentary uh, on their games uh, over the internet as they're playing them. And so this Mm. whole thing sort of played out live uh, on social media. uh, the investigation still in a relatively early stage, uh, but this does, you know, this 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 was a a shock again uh, to a country that continues to reel from acts of mass gun violence. Okay, Simon Marks in Washington. We'll leave it there. Simon, thank you so much for joining us. Thanks, guys. There's just so much more to hear. Download our podcasts at DubaiEye1038.com.